Welcome back to the Footnotes podcast, a podcast of Study the Great Books. I am your host, Jacob Ali. Today, we're going to add another note to the great book known as Sir Gawain and the Green Knights. Today, we are going to be talking about Gawain's Pentangle. The Pentangle is an emblem, uh, once he has on his shield and maybe some other parts of his uh, outfit and armor, which is a, a symbol that represents all that matters to Gawain. Uh, so as we kind of pick up in the story, so Gawain has uh, accepted the Green Knight's challenge to, to give a blow or a strike and then one year later to receive the same in turn. And so although Gawain thought perhaps by chopping off the head of the Green Knight, he would get away with not having to receive a blow himself, it turns out that this magical fey creature that he is just picked up his head and smiled at everybody and said, I'll see you in a year. Well, it's been a good long time, and his time is running low, and so it is time to leave Camelot. And so he has bedecked himself in all of his armor. He has gotten his horse ready, so on and so forth. And as you see him putting on all of his things, we get a chance to be introduced to this pentangle, which is his personal sign uh, that he himself wears that reminds him of all of the things that matter to him. They, they, it's a symbol of his personal commitments, his personal faith, the virtues he admires, uh, all of these things. And so we're going to look at that today, this pentangle. So to start with, I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to read the 27th and 28th stanza of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. So it begins in stanza 27. Then they brought him his blazon that was of brilliant jewels with the pentangle depicted in pure hue of gold. By the baldric he caught it, and about his neck cast it. Right well and worthily it went with the knight, and why the pentangle is proper to that prince so noble, I intend now to tell you, though it may tarry my story. It is a sign that Solomon once set on a time to betoken troth as it is entitled to do, for it is a figure that is in, in it five points holdeth, and each line overlaps and is linked with another, and every way it is endless, and the English I hear everywhere name it the endless knot. So it suits well this knight and his unsullied arms, forever faithful in five points and five times under each. Gawain, as good was acknowledged and as gold refined, devoid of every vice and with virtues adorned. So there the pentangle painted new, he on his shield and coat did wear, as one of word most true and knight of bearing fair. Now stand to 28. First faultless was he found in his five senses, and next his five fingers he failed at no time. And firmly on the five wounds all his faith was set that Christ received on the cross, as the creed tells us. And wherever the brave man into battle was come, on this beyond all things was his, heart, was his earnest thought, that ever from the five joys all his valor he gained, that to heaven's courteous queen once more, or once came from her child, for which cause the knight had in comely wise on the inner side of his shield her image depainted. And when he cast his eyes hit thither, his courage never failed. The fifth five that was used, as I find, by this knight was free giving and friendliness first before all, and chastity and chivalry, ever changeless and straight, and piety surpassing all points, 
these perfect five were hasped upon him harder than than on any man else. Now these five series in sooth were fastened on this night, and each was knit with another and had no ending, but were fixed at five points that failed not at all, coincided in no line nor sundered either, not ending in any angle anywhere, as I discover, wherever the process was put in play or passed to an end. Therefore, on his shining shield was shaped now this knot, royally with red jewels upon red gold set. This is the pure pentangle, as people of learning have taught. Now Gawain in brave array, his lance at last hath caught. He gave them all good day, forevermore, as he thought. So this uh, this section really is, plays an important part in the story because it sets up for you the character and commitments of Gawain, whom the, the poet takes great pains to explain to us. You know, this is not Gawain talking about himself. This is the poet talking about Gawain. And so the poet wants to relay to his hearer or his reader that uh, very sincerely, Gawain holds to these five different kinds of commitments, these five categories of commitments with five things under each of them. And he's a very sincere person in all of this. And so this is not any boasting on Gawain's part. These are the codes and the priorities that he has in his life that he tries sincerely to live by. And so uh, a few interesting things I want to point out here is that one, it just mentions that this sign was something that Solomon supposedly once upon a time used. Uh, I admit my ignorance here. If this is anything in scripture, I don't know of it, but there may be some tradition that uh, is extra biblical that refers to this. But regardless, this sign is a, uh, is a star is what it is. And uh, if, you know, when I, I shared this with my students, they said, well, isn't that a pentagram? Well, in one sense, yes, it is. It is a five pointed star although it is not the uh, the devil-worshipping upside-down star with goat's heads, you know. Uh, but it is indeed a an overlapping five-pointed star with the, the top point pointing up. But the point of this, uh, this star is to show you that it is never-ending. There's no obvious beginning point. There's no obvious ending point. And therefore, it is just kind of an eternal looping pattern of a star. So these things which uh, are, are served to symbolize by this star are meant to be everlasting. Uh, uh, they never end in Gawain. They are always important to him. Uh, there's never a point in which he would relinquish any one of them. And so the poem does give us what the five different points refer to, but I think a little bit more can be said than what the poem uh, itself says. So the first one is the, the five senses, the five senses. So we could obviously say taste, touch, smell, sight, and hearing. And at first, it might seem a little odd that one of uh, one of Gawain's five pointed star, you know, is about about this idea of the five senses. Like, what's that supposed to be about? And yet, I think the idea is to communicate that Gawain is indeed a man of sense. He is a man in tune with all of his senses. That he uses them appropriately. That he uses them uh, temperately. That he attunes his faculties to use them at their top ability uh you know so and this kind of gives way maybe to the next of the five which is his five fingers and again you might say well that's kind of odd that one of the points of his star would be about having five fingers i mean everybody has five fingers right so what's the big deal about this and yet gawain is a knight what would he typically 
be gripping with his five fingers. Well, he might be gripping his lance or his sword or some other weapon. And so it is important as a knight that he has his full capabilities of his hands and being a man of strength with his hands. And so the five senses and the five fingers kind of play in together of being a man that is fully capable and in control of all of his faculties. Well, what else do these uh, points on his star, his pentangle, represents? Well, we have a reference to the five wounds. That is the five wounds of Christ, which would be uh, his pierced right hand, his pierced left hand, his pierced right foot, his pierced left foot, and of course his pierced side where the soldiers plunged the spear into his side to check to see if Christ was in fact dead. And so these wounds, these five wounds of Christ that one of the points of his star represents is to constantly remind uh, to remind Gawain of what Christ, his Savior, has done for him, that he has indeed um, taken his place uh, and died a death for him. And so his, his faith in Christ is one of the most significant things about who he is. The next one, which might rub a little bit wrong for those of us who are Protestant, but nonetheless, is the five joys, specifically the five joys of Mary. Now, the the poem doesn't exactly go into what those five joys are, but I can I can tell you what that refers to uh, historically. The tradition is that the five joys of Mary are the Annunciation, in which the coming of Christ was announced to Mary, the Nativity or the birth of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and the ascension of Christ, and then the fifth one is the Assumption, which refers to the bodily assumption of Mary to go and be with her son with Christ, with the Lord, which of course is a, is a Roman Catholic dogma and doctrine that uh, Protestants don't typically hold to. But nonetheless, that's what the five joys of Mary are. And, and again, in uh, the perspective of Gawain, this is part of his faith. This is part of his piety, the respect of Mary and the appreciation of Mary. And although as a Protestant, I would reject uh, the Marian dogmas in general. I don't personally believe that Mary was sinless. I don't believe that Mary was therefore bodily assumed because she had no sin and couldn't die. And therefore they had to assume her body to heaven and, and all those various other things. I, I certainly reject the co-mediator, uh, uh, co-mediatrix, I should say, of Mary and so on and so forth. Nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, Mary is obviously an important figure in biblical history. She is someone we're supposed to remember with uh, with joy, with gratefulness and thanksgiving as our sister in Christ. And so there is something to be said about Protestants maybe uh, needing to honor her more than we do, certainly not honoring her, honoring her less out of reaction to our Roman Catholic counterparts on, on doctrines that we don't agree with. But regardless, in the story, this is an important part of, um, of Gawain's faith is remembering Christ and her joys and sharing in her joys about Christ and, uh, of course, prayer uh, in, in the story is really important. And praying to saints, including Mary, is part of it, which we may talk about on another footnote sometime. But the last, uh, the last five of the five points of the star, we might call the five commitments or we might call the five virtues. And those five virtues are generosity, friendliness, chastity, chivalry, and piety. And we could say an awful lot about all of those things, but it's important to see that Gawain is a man who cares very much about uh, being of generous spirit. Uh, this idea of friendliness, we might even call it courtliness, that he is going to adhere to the rules of behavior 
Uh, in fact, this is an interesting point, just the, the word courtesy, something we may not think about very often, but the word courtesy refers to how one would behave at court before the king. So when you are behaving courteously or with that kind of uh, friendliness, you're behaving towards people as you are expected to behave in the court of the king. So that's kind of an interesting idea. Uh, chastity, you know, Gawain is an unmarried man, a man and he believes in uh, holding holding himself accountable to being chased until or if and when he is married. Uh, chivalry, there is kind of a whole chivalric code that we could probably spend a lot of time talking about, but it has to do with being brave, never backing down from a fight, um, honoring your country, honoring your lord, um, and also kind of tied up with the idea of friendliness and generosity, but, but looking out for those who uh, cannot look out for themselves, holding themselves to a specific code of combat uh, and fighting honorably, not attacking somebody whose back is turned to you. If somebody's knocked off their, their horse, you're supposed to wait till they get back on to resume the fight. If their horse runs away, you're supposed to get off the horse and fight with them on the ground. And if they beg for mercy, you're supposed to give it to them. A whole lot of things are kind of um, tied up with the idea of chivalry. And then piety. And piety, again, is just is faith, faith in God, faith in Christ. And uh, it says to to be sure that piety was surpassing all points. So in other words, his faith in Christ is indeed the, the extreme, the most important part to him of all of this. And so although he holds them all and he holds them never endingly and in tension with one another, uh, his faith is foremost. But of all of these points, of all of these points, it says that they were hast upon him harder than on any man else. In other words, Gwen lives and breathes and really, really tries to walk out these five points of his pentangle. And he is sincere about it. And so this is a really important part of the story, especially as we see later in the story, some of these commitments he has, some of these, uh, particularly his commitments to uh, chastity, to chivalry, and, and what that means about how you would treat a lady, never offending a lady, and then his faith in Christ, they come into a very real tension in the story. And one of the most important questions of the story is whether all of those can necessarily be held all at the same time. And if one has to give, which one will give? And so we will probably talk about that on another note sometime soon. But thank you for joining us for the Footnotes podcast. And we'll talk at you again before too long.